once you come in, you're in awe. You you see all of these beautiful merchants, you know, selling what they do and tapping into their family recipes and, you know, sharing that particular love with the people that come in. So I personally feel as though, yes, we have food, but we're not a food hall. You're listening to Keisha Gray, Executive Director of Indianapolis City Market. Keisha talks about her life and about the future of Indianapolis's historic city market on this episode of Michael Loves Indy. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Michael Loves Indy. In this episode, I'm excited to feature a recent conversation I had with Keisha Gray, who is the executive director of the historic Indianapolis City Market. And this conversation was really interesting to me on a couple of levels. Number one is Keisha herself. She moved to Indianapolis within the last couple of years from Chicago. She became the executive director of City Market and has wasted no time in becoming one of our Indianapolis civic leaders. And while on one hand, I do really believe and I'm passionate about Indianapolis growing and developing its young people to become civic leaders. I also think it's really important for Indianapolis to bring in perspectives, uh, leaders from other cities, and the perspectives that Keisha has brought from her past experiences and in Chicago. And you hear that in the conversation. Also, regarding city market itself, there's no doubt that COVID-19 in the past 18 months has been incredibly challenging for, you know, uh, farmers markets, um, public spaces, all these different things that City Market offers. And City Market itself is in a period of reinvention with everything going on. A lot of people don't know City Market was actually founded in 1821. Its, origin, its structure that it's in right now has existed since the 1880s. You can get tours of the historic catacombs underneath the City Market. You can get almost any kind of food there today. It used to function as a jazz venue for decades throughout the 1900s, and so it's got this really, really interesting history. And there are a lot of questions about how can we reinvent spaces like Indianapolis City Market as we look at a downtown Indianapolis that's going to look very different with more residents, more mixed income and mixed use housing, more of a commitment to diversity. And I think you hear from the conversation that Keisha Gray is exactly the kind of leader that we need right now for City Market. I really think you'll find the conversation interesting. So please enjoy this discussion with Keisha Gray. Yeah, we're sitting here in the West Wing of the historic city market, and um, the uh, I didn't really have a plan. It's just, you know, I read about you when you were hired into this role, and you are leading city market at an exciting time, but it's a time of constant change. Um, but I, And so there's, as I, the listeners will know, because I mentioned it before, city market has a very special place in my heart. You know, it's like my, my 40th birthday party was here and my wife's 40th birthday party and so many family and friends occasions and things like that. But I'm still constantly learning more about it. And so I have a lot of, a lot of questions today, but before we get into that, um, I just wanted to get more into your life story and, you know, the events 
um, that preceded you coming into this position of leadership in Indianapolis. So, so could you, could you start the beginning of who is, who is Keisha Gray? (laughs) Well, so many years ago, no, just kidding. Um, how did I get here? Well, I found myself, um, divorce final in 2018 and I went on to an online dating site and that December was going to be the time that I took a break. And the gentleman who would eventually become my husband reached out and I'm sorry, he likes to say that I liked his picture first and then he responded, you know, with words. And so we started talking uh, right around after Thanksgiving 2018 and we just kept dating. And so he already lived here in Indiana and I was living in Chicago and I didn't think that was too far to, you know, have a romance or whatever. So we just kept dating and we got engaged in December of 2019 and got married last year, September 5th, 2020. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And I know that you had a leadership background, obviously, prior to um, uh, coming here to run City Market uh, in library and library sciences. And so, so can you, uh, can you tell me more about that? Sure. So when I left undergrad, I got a degree in English and knew that I did not want to teach, but I went to work for AmeriCorps and I was placed in a third grade classroom and in a library, a public library after school as a homework helper. And so while I was there as the homework helper, that branch manager started to encourage me to uh, take a look at library school, see what it had to offer. And so I did, and I became interested in that, got hired on and completed my degree and just kept moving up the career ladder um, since then. So I started as a children's librarian and then moved into management from there. Oh, wow. Now, I... I think when I was a kid, I might have had a certain image of librarians, maybe sort of a quiet, thoughtful individual, things like that. As I've gotten older, I don't know if I've ever met a anyone who studied library science who isn't passionate about it. Is that <laughs> is, is that is that fair? And and did yes. so did, at, at what what was it about um, libraries and library science that hooked you? when you were, it sounds like when you were doing your AmeriCorps fellowship? Sure. So I've always had a love of reading and I think that it was just a natural fit for me because I like helping people and definitely that is a helping profession and interacting with people where they are. And so some experiences would be helping people to like navigate even how to use their phones as technology has improved so that they could communicate with their loved ones. These are the things that people don't think about when we talk about libraries. So it's not just the books. It's about how we can help impact someone's life and improve that and make it better. Yeah. And I know the roles of libraries have changed significantly. Um, in the past 20 years, but I mean, even in the past 10 years. So how do you, like, did you, did you develop um, certain, you know, philosophies or things like that about the, the role of libraries in a more digitized, you know, networked world? Well, my experience with libraries from working in them 
and then visiting other libraries as a user. We have definitely tried to keep up with technology and embrace that. And so librarians were amongst the first um, professions that were like embracing Google as a tool. So we promoted that heavily and then almost, you know, to the point where we put ourselves out of business. So I think that lessons learned from that, we know that there is a place for it. We know that we have to embrace it. We know that we have to figure out what our place is in it. And I think that's where libraries sometimes struggle is because we're not as innovative as we once used to be. So we run that risk of then following behind and not being the early adopter, but, you know, one of the late adopters even sometimes. And, you know, that's not necessarily a good thing because the world today is moving so much faster. Yeah. So we have to uh, make sure that we are keeping track of what's going on and then incorporating that into what we do. Yeah, it is. I, it has occurred to me um, in the, like in the last decade or so uh, there'll be some, there'll be some development and the tech industry will say, Oh, this is open source, you know, open source. And it's kind of like, isn't that what public libraries have been for two <laughs> centuries now? <laughs> you know, so, sorry, like tech people think they invented it and it's That's like, right. well, hey, the library is still here. You know, I don't know. That's right. Uh, yeah, I agree. Right. Yes. Um, so in, in your time in, you know, library science, library management, are there, were there, are there any, are there any experiences or any clues that might have predicted that you would be here running a historic city market? Any, any, could you find, could you find like, as you look back, could you find like the seeds of anything that might have, might have pointed you in this direction? I'm just curious. Um, I would say probably my propensity for change and challenge. So as I moved up in my career in libraries, I think that each position became a little bit more challenging and figuring out how to make it accessible to people. And I think right now, City Market is a perfect example of how to make us accessible because there's so much information out there that's trying to say that we're inaccessible and clearly we are not. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm dying to talk about City Market. You know, that's the reason we're here. However, I do feel like I want to I ask you a question about, is there anything about your upbringing, you know, that doesn't show up on the resume um, that people might not know about you, you know, from reading your, your bio or from meeting you on the street. And I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not driving in anything. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I find myself asking that question of people more and more. Is there anything that's just kind of quirky or interesting that people wouldn't just automatically know? <laughs> I don't know if I want to say this publicly or not, but um, I cannot open canned biscuits. <laughs> I cannot do it because the pop yes, like, like freaks you out that it, it does I understand it does. and so so <laughs> years ago like um it would it would seem to be impressive to other people that I would like date especially because they would say oh I would like some biscuits and I say sure I'll whip you up some <laughs> and I could not do the canned that's biscuits, amazing right and so it's like oh my god you went through all of this trouble and it's like well I had to <laughs> So, so, so okay. if people don't use that against me, <laughs> this is amazing. So, because I, I actually, I, I have, 
I have a similar kind of thing, like when I'm pushing the spoon. Is it just that? Is it just kind of the the getting startled by the by the big right? Because sounds? we yeah. don't know when it's going to happen. That's right. Right. That's right. Right. It's so unpredictable because I have tried, so I know that I can't because I have tried, and so. Um, there was a time where I was starting to do it, and it popped, and it freaked me out. And I was like, oh, my God, like, it wasn't supposed to do that. Interesting. <laughs> okay, so um, I don't drink anymore, but I, I had the same thing with uh, champagne bottles. Mm-hmm. The same, the, I, had the, I would have yeah. the exact same thing. Yeah, so. Okay. Now I can open those, you know, okay, and okay. I know the trick, you put the towel over it and yeah. do it. But, yeah, yeah I can't okay. do canned biscuits. That is funny. And I don't want anyone running up to me with a can of biscuits either trying to scare me so i'm putting that out there don't do it so so if keisha brings you biscuits know that they are homemade that's right from scratch that's right okay thank you for sharing that <laughs> that may be one of the most honest things anyone's ever shared um as part of this podcast so okay so um i i so i'm i'm so curious so i'm assuming that had had you made the decision to re- relocate to indianapolis before um, the market approached you? Yes. Okay. So I moved here last July ahead of getting married. Okay. And I want to say that the application materials for this job were due on my wedding day. So oh my gosh. I just submitted it that week and didn't, didn't really think too much else about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to ask you the, so the show is called Michael Loves Indy because mm-hmm. I do love Indy, but mm-hmm. I love Indy warts and all, you know, <laughs> Indy's got a lot of wonderful things and Indy has a lot of problems too, yes. you know, so I accept it and, you know, where, you know, there's, there's a huge group of people here work, working on the problems obviously, but, um, I, I, I would like to know, and I think listeners would like to know too, your first impressions, good, bad, or neutral when you got here, just your for kind of for, and I, I guess what, if I'm doing the math, you were, you, you arrived during the pandemic. So it wasn't, yes. it wasn't the kind of, you know, dynamic downtown that, that Indy has been used to, but just what well, first impressions, good, bad, neutral. I'm just curious. Well, definitely good because I did move here for love. So that was always, yeah. you know, the, the, the biggest positive thing to happen. Yeah. But as I got to meet other people not related to my husband, I found them to also be very engaging and encouraging. So my impressions upon arrival have been very positive. That's great. Um, I, as you know, I, 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 I didn't live in Chicago area long enough to be a Chicagoan, not remotely, but I was in Evanston for four years and Chicago for a little over a year um, and I do, I do love that city and I know it's, it, on one hand, it's so much bigger. It's kind of hard to draw a comparison. So I, I really don't, um, did, do you, did you find, do you find some similarities in kind of the like Midwest, you know, ethos here or things like that? Or, or did you find that it was totally different? And again, could good, bad, neutral. Well, being from Chicago, we don't really consider ourselves being from the Midwest. That's right. So it's its own entity. That's right. right. Yeah. Right. You have the Midwest and then Chicago is the capital of the Midwest. So that's right. (laughs) That's how that works. Um, I, let's see, similarities, not really, only because I have found Indianapolis to be a lot more accessible. Okay. Than Chicago. So I was born and raised there. I did live in a couple other places and went away for school as well. But a majority of my life was spent in Chicago and really in one particular neighborhood. It's about 10 minutes from Hammond, Indiana. Yeah. And coming here, having 
a different perspective on everything as well. And now I'm an outsider. I'm an adult. I'm a mother. You know, I'm a new wife. And uh, it's totally different. You know, I don't think that the things that I'm doing here in Indianapolis, I would have been able to do in Chicago. I feel the same. I, and I think um, my wife is from the Bay Area and she has similar um, observations. I I think I do think part of it is with Indianapolis being a younger city and the, the, the huge population growth not happening here till the 1970s. It's like you don't have, um, you know, multiple generations here going, going back the way you do in some other cities. But I, I have, I have found that similarly. It's like, I'm from, I'm from such a small rural town that no one's ever heard of. And, um, I have found it. I mean, I know this, you still have, you know, some, you know, blue bloods and kind of things like that, but, but, um, and my wife would say that too, her being of middle Eastern descent from California, that she's found it, um, pretty easy community to navigate and things like that. I do think, I think the Hoosier hospitality is sometimes overblown. You know, I think that <laughs> that is a thing, but then I th- think, you know, and I think we're obviously, and I will get into this too. I think you're, you're coming here at a time when I think Indianapolis is reckoning with a lot of issues that we maybe kind of were in denial about for a long time. That's just my personal perspective being here 20 years. Um, but that I, I will say that is encouraging that's encouraging to hear that it's been a good place for you to plug into. And um, can you tell me about the process of being recruited by the city market? Because, and we'll get into the market, but I'm just very, I'm very interested in terms of how they recruited you. And, you know, was that, was that what that experience was like? Well, my husband um, really felt that (laughs) I needed to work (laughs) after I moved here and, you know, I quit my other job. And so, he was very um, diligent about <laughs> reaching into his network to find people who could possibly help me along in that journey. Yeah. And so I got connected with one of the board members here, and she told me about the opportunity. And I just say that if it had been a position that I saw in the wild without any context, I don't think I ever would have applied for it. <laughs> so, I mean, just because I could see that there would be some transferable skills. But, you know, going from books to food, not too many people make that connection. And so what I could bring to it was bigger than just having a background in food or a background in food hall specifically, because we do need to work on our culture here and let everybody understand that we're a team and they're all supported. Yes. And so as I learned more about it, And learned that this was a very good time to start implementing some change. Um, I became very interested in it, and so I applied. And they used a recruiting firm uh, to fill this particular position. And so went through all of those steps and interviewed with the board a few times and then got the call that I was the chosen one. Well, that's that's great, and we're... uh... I mean, I've said before, we're fortunate to have you. We're also fortunate to have someone, I think, with who's bringing a perspective, a fresh perspective from the outside. Um, it is interesting, though. I, I don't. Yours is a case where it's like, it's like here's someone who's come to our city, and I almost feel like it's ten years of networking in the first three months. You know, what I mean, just yes. because, just because yes. city market, you have a board, you have all these existing vendor um, relationships you've inherited. There are politicians who all mm-hmm. feel like they have a stake in the city market. So, was that um, 
uh, what the the once so, so now you've got the job and now you're kind of trying to uh, you know understand the environment and things like that. Are there were there um, conversations or interactions or things like that that stood out from those first few months? Well, I think in accepting this job, I knew that there would be networking involved and media involved, and I did wonder how I would get myself out there. But board members took the time to introduce me to people, and then those people introduced me to other people and so on and so forth. And so that was how I got to build the network that I'm tapping into now as I'm doing this particular job. And everyone that I've met along this way so far has been so supportive of City Market and everything that it has stood for and what we will stand for in the future going forth. So, yeah, it was like power networking, you know, every day, <laughs> all <Yeah>. day, <laughs> talking with other people. And then the the strangest thing about it, of course, was we were still, you know, heavily in the midst of the pandemic. And so I met everybody with a face mask. And now it's like, do I recognize you now? Like, (laughs) like I'm not trying to be funny, but it's like, I do know you, don't I? You know, trying to make sure I'm like, let me look at your eyes. (laughs) So you, you, you at least strike me as a very calm under pressure person type of personality. Um, And I know sometimes, sometimes that's true of introverts. So are you more, are you more on the introvert or extrovert side and then, and cause, cause the, the follow-up is, um, you know, when you're going through, cause I know, cause I mean, literally everybody wanted to meet you when you were first here, right? Cause <laughs> yes. everybody's got passion or everybody who spends time at city market has got an opinion and mm-hmm. they've got passion. So I remember when you were new in the job, like everybody wanted to meet you. So how did you, are, are you more introvert or extrovert and how did you handle that? Well, technically I, I'm an ambervert, but I do lean more heavily towards introversion. Okay. And can you explain the term to, because I, because I'm not sure I, I'm totally familiar with the term. So it's like an extroverted introvert. Okay. So, so I can do what I have to do, Yep. but I do need time away by myself to recharge. Okay. You know, that's very important for me to process what I'm thinking and what has to happen next. So In this particular job, though, if it hadn't been the pandemic, I think it would have been a lot more overwhelming. But because it was the pandemic and we had to meet in smaller groups and one-on-one, that was more of my speed of how I like to meet people so that their impression can stay with me and I can remember who they are. Okay. Because if I'm meeting, you know, 10 people at once, I may not remember everybody. But that one-on-one or two-on-one, you know, that kind of ratio was very helpful okay. in, in acclimating myself to everyone here. So, and the, and the term is ambro- ambivert. Ambivert. Okay. Extra, sorry. In, extroverted, extroverted introvert. introvert. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then, so, so you, can, you, can, you can engage a lot up to a point, but then you need to recharge at the end of it. Is that, is that the yes. end of it? You need to kind of get mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. I've, I've learned a new term. So. <laughs> Yeah, and it's funny that you would even bring that up because a lot of people that I've met considered me an extrovert, and I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, but you but you know how to turn it on right. to engage. Yeah, right. yeah, okay, interesting. So um, a lot of people, I think, who listen to this episode will have some interest in city market, but for people who don't, um, 
you know, the, the, um, city market has a special place in Indianapolis history. It's gone through a lot of changes and evolutions and things like that. And thank you, Amy Crook for uh, a, a great, uh, you know, marketer, um, you know, consultant community leader, Amy Crook, um, who's here with us too, for um, uh, the reference to the Indiana, the Indiana historical society on the uh, canal here in Indianapolis is um featuring the Indianapolis city market has a number of, of artifacts there, but I guess, where do you, when people say, Hey, what is city market? Where do you start that conversation usually? I think I'm still figuring out where to start it because I can speak about history or I can speak about the future. And so it's, well, what does this particular audience want to know about it? I think right now we are at a place where we are evolving but at the same time, all of all of the possibilities that we could become, they will seem to harken back to something that we've already been. Yeah. So just maybe in like a different combination of of things that have happened in the past, you know, can happen again in the future. So if I were to explain it to them, um, we are the original gathering place. And people can come here, they can grab a bite to eat, they can get a haircut, they can buy some clothing or jewelry, they can feel free to hang out at the tap room, Tomlinson Tap Room, that is 19 Indiana craft beers on tap in rotation. And that's a very popular attraction with a lot of people. And it's just a place where you can come and hang out. And, you know, it's almost like the library where you don't necessarily have to come in here and spend money to have a good time. Yeah. You know, it is enhanced when you can partake of the offerings that the merchants have, but you don't necessarily have to come in here and spend money to have a great time. Absolutely. I, I was I was checking my phone for a second because I wanted to I wanted I did want to look up the because I didn't realize this opened 1886. So that means that. A lot of our, I'm in air quotes, competitor cities that tout their historic city markets. I'm thinking, you know, Seattle Pike Place Market, this building is much older than many of our competitor cities that will tout their original city markets. And um, um, I think one of the things that some of your predecessors did right in previous years is opening up the catacombs under mm-hmm. the market, mm-hmm. which have a really interesting history there as well. And we'll, we'll, we'll mention, we'll talk more about the catacombs tours, obviously before we, um, yeah, before the end of the, of the discussion. But, um, what, um, what, what would you say if someone asked you about the catacombs at city market? Well, I have been down there and the first word that always comes to my mind is creepy. So if you like that kind of thing, this right. is definitely your speed and you need to get here ASAP. Yeah. <laughs> and there were, I mean, there were clubs below City Market that feature, again, Amy Crook, um, that featured um, some of our best known jazz musicians playing here in Indianapolis at the City Market and in the catacombs in mm-hmm. the 20s through the 50s. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the City Market campus itself has been a place of great music. And before Tomlinson Hall burned down, it was an awesome music venue here in the city. Yeah. So the catacombs itself now, like we've had more recent artists come through and do filming and music events down there. And we expect for that to pick up going forward as well, because it is, it sounds very great acoustically is what I've been told. If, um, if money were no object, 
are you are you in the camp of people who think that cat like a, a, a restored catacombs could be you know a tourist attraction or some or, or you know something like that? Is that is that on the radar? Well, it's already a tourist attraction the way that it is. It so is that's true. Yeah, it's yeah. very rustic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, the catacombs tourists frequently sell out ahead of time. Wow. You know, we just had someone message us on Facebook asking about the tours. They were from out of town and just learned about it at the last minute. And it's, oh, I'm sorry, but they're all sold out oh, for wow. tomorrow, you know. I need to do it because I've only been, I've only, I've been to a couple dinners there. I've been to a couple concerts there, but I've mm-hmm. never done the tour. So this is, so, so thank you for, for <laughs> mentioning. So, so, um, and it also, obviously the city market also is, has got a unique location. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, literally at the foot of the Indianapolis city county building um, the Market Square Arena, of course, where the Indiana Pacers used to play, and now there's a, um, you know, what, I think it's 27 story t- 20, uh, tower there. Mm-hmm. Cummins um, uh, uh, Distri- International Distribution Headquarters. There's going to be an increasing amount of, 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 of residential. How, how do you how do you think about this historic building's location now with everything going on in the downtown? Oh, I think it's it's wonderful. So we are in a place where we can capture a new audience and we have some time right now to think about what it is that we want to be for the city and the Miles Square District specifically. So we can reinvent ourselves to fill that gap, to be that third place for the residents who are here, to be the destination for people coming in from out of town, no matter how far away that is. You know, I want us to be the place where if you told someone that you visited Indiana, Indianapolis, and you didn't visit the city market, then you really didn't visit Indianapolis. So that has to be a part of every tourist attraction and everything that Indianapolis stands for because it is one of those places that means a lot to so many people and so I'm glad that we have the residences coming up around us you know these are it's still fairly young neighborhood that is um, to the east of us and you know we know that the city county building um, employees will be leaving at some point this year, and we have to tap into our residents, you know, and a lot of them don't know who we are because it's new. It's new for them. And, you know, we've got, we've got some things that we need to do in order to attract them. You know, I can admit that, but they need to know who we are because this is a draw for them as well. Absolutely. And you know, it is, I know that, I know that obviously the world's gone through so many challenges related to COVID and things like that. But just as I was walking over here yesterday, I was thinking about compared to where the market was 10 years ago, you know, now you have a YMCA as part of it, the bicycle garage, indie presence, these civic organizations, um, a consortium of civic organizations in the space where we're sitting. And I, I hear what you're saying about, I, I hadn't thought of, the, the, the number of city county employees that will be leaving to go to the new community justice campus. Is that right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I can, I could see that being a challenge. And then, um, uh, if, if you're listening to this and you're not from Indianapolis, there's much more residential development coming, but I know that we're in kind of a weird transition point because anybody, anybody who, who would get here either, either by car or bike or walking is going to see all the construction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a I have a thought on that, but I want to I want to just a, I want to ask you ab- about that because I know I know that um, 
the combination of COVID and um, this construction and infrastructure has presented a unique challenge. How, 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 are you, how are you managing through that? How do you talk about it, you know, internally and externally and, and those kinds of things? Yeah. Um, I don't want to sound dismissive, but being from Chicago with two seasons, winter and construction, <laughs> um, you know, I don't see see the problem with getting here and getting around because you can still navigate the streets. It's just that right now you can't go in front on Market Street, but that should be opening up in November. But the way that I do understand it is even just that one block between Delaware and Alabama being closed, it has significantly impacted people getting here, you know, and it, it, it's a perception. Um, what I also understand is that uh, people in Indianapolis don't like to walk anywhere, and, you know, there's that misperception that there's no I, parking. I feel seen. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I You're can't, exactly right. I it can't attest me, to validity. Me nuts. Yeah, right, right. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, um, so, yeah, the other misconception, misperception is that there's no parking, but that's not true either. There yeah. is parking nearby, and if you go to our website, we have a page dedicated to parking. Great. So, you can get here. You can bike here. You might just need to cross the street in order to, yeah. you know, get here. But I don't – I personally – don't see the problem with getting here. Yeah. Now, having been disrupted by construction, like I get it. It has been impactful because people don't necessarily like to go around that. And then you add the pandemic on top, which sent the business lunch crowd home. Yeah, that synergy just, you know, went off the rails you know, with affecting our merchants inside and what it is that they were able to do. But quite a few of them were able to pivot. And even now today, you know, a few of them, their business is doing better than pre-COVID times. Wow. So I think that that's a testament, you know, like I say, always to their resilience and trying to figure out how to make this work. And I just think that, um, there, there are barriers, but they can be overcome. Yeah, absolutely. This, this is one thing that occurred to me recently is that with all the construction happening now, I, I have to give credit to, I know in some cases it's the um, city's department of public works, you know, but, but it's like the pandemic is probably the best time to just get, get as much construction done as possible. Mm-hmm. Is it, I mean, is that right? So that, yeah. so that it's done. And I, I think, um, I think, I mean, I mean, uh, you're you're much closer to it than I am, Keisha. But it's like I've seen some of the renderings. Market Street is going to look beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, um, I can't wait. No, it's yeah. it's it's going to be it's going to be great. And um, uh, I, I by the way, I tell Amy will appreciate this. I tell employees of the Indie Chamber, I say I have failed if you when you 
walk or bike or drive past construction, if you're like, oh man, it's construction. I said, <laughs> we have succeeded. If you're like, if it, if, if this experience of being in any chamber makes you say, oh yeah, when's this going up? I mm-hmm. feel like the transit mm-hmm. center, you know, yeah. transit center, it feels like was under construction forever. It's beautiful, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, I think a lot of people, I mean, I'm really excited for what is, what it's going to look like in 12 to 18 months. Um, you know, just, just seeing the renderings of what, what the, what market street is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are some of your strategies um, and the or, and the organization strategies about getting people here? You know, or, try, or trying to trying to get um, you know exposure to audiences or people who maybe aren't aren't as familiar with with City Market. Sure. So, like most businesses nowadays, we definitely tap into our social media presence. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and we try to be responsive with people who contact us in that way, and just letting people know that we are here and open. And so we've had some media attention on us and I will end every interview with we're open and we never close. Yeah. So I wasn't here from the beginning of the pandemic, but even then it was still open. Yeah. You know, some businesses inside did close down for a moment, but not everyone. And just getting that particular message out that we're here and we're ready to serve has been extremely important, but going forward, um, Reaching new audiences is key. It's crucial. We have to start courting a different customer as well because that business lunch crowd is not going to come back in ways that these merchants once knew. Interesting. And so we've got to figure out who else is around here, who wants to come here, um, who, who we think needs to come to visit us and partake. And of course we would say that's everybody, Yeah, but, um, you know, we're going to start doing some mailings and uh, figuring out some other advertising that we can do. And we will be undergoing the strategic planning process. And that will also give us some information to tell us in which direction to go. Yeah. I will put a plug. This may be the best place in the city it, for, for any for any organization that wants to do an event that is very accessible. Mm-hmm. I would have it here. So like like when um, again, it was just I'm 45 now, so it's been a few years. But when Helen and I each did our 40th birthday parties here, we didn't we wanted to invite a lot of people, but we didn't want it to we didn't want it to be exclusive. You know what I mean? We wanted it to be a place that was super accessible mm-hmm. and people could kind of come and go. And we didn't even give it any thought. And then we've had other events here. And so what if you're listening to this, City Market, either inside or outside on the plaza, you could do something formal. You can do something not formal at all. And you can do it affordably. And they make it very easy for you also in this historic structure. So, um, and I do, th- I do think that is a, a kind of an advantage that the, that the organization has, you know what I mean, over a lot exactly. of places in the city. But exactly, I, exactly. So our space is very flexible inside. Um, it has that historic charm that a lot of people like. And again, like you said, it can be formal or casual, any, anything in between. Yep. And you feel welcome in the space. Yep. You know, it doesn't feel industrial to me. Yeah. You know, it feels like it, it feels very familiar. Yeah. You know, yeah. and with the plazas, uh, the West Plaza, we've got a music stage. So, you know, we had a really big party here not too long ago yep. and it was very well attended and people really enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, and being able to flow inside of one space and the other because of the doors and how they're positioned, like that's just wonderful. And 
it's very accessible. Absolutely. I've, um, we were talking earlier, you know, my, my band chamber music has played here at least a half a dozen times. I think more than that. And I've seen the best jazz musicians in our city play the stages here, you know, just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's get to, um, we're going to stir up a little controversy. I'm Uh-oh. joking a little bit, but <laughs> you know, city market's been, it, it, it's, it's in the media a lot and yes. that predates you and that, and that's true now. And, and, and here's where, you know, you and I have some things in common Keisha, you know, so it's like I run an organization that reports to a board. So it's not like I can just say whatever I want and I'm mm-hmm. not going to, you know, we, we had some, I, so, excuse me, I was asking you some questions offline and um, so I, I I know that um, either of us, when asked some of these questions, has to handle them diplomatically. But I know, because this is all out in the public, that one of the challenges of the market is is getting the mix of vendors right mm-hmm. in a com- in a competitive world. Mm-hmm. And I know that that the market has some legacy vendors that have long, long contracts. And then you know, obviously, we have you know you have to you know respect those contracts. And then. Um, that with with any leader of the organization, then bringing in new vendors, you've got to be working with this mix of kind of older legacy vendors and new ideas. So, and again, I'm I, um, knowing that you are, you know, you run a public entity. I'm not asking you to, um, you know, be critical or anything like that. But could you give the listener a picture of kind of what that what that process has been like for you, kind of figuring out what that mix of offerings needs to be and amenities and things like that? Well, for the most part. The merchants are on what we call our lease template. Uh, we have two that are not, um, and their leases don't expire for a few more years yet. But out of everyone else, they are the only two who are on the legacy lease. And so in bringing in new merchants, we do have to be mindful of what it is that they know about the market, what they know about their business, and both of us managing our expectations. So I think with certain merchants, and I'm just going to say in general, right, everybody didn't necessarily have to do the marketing and advertising that's required now because there was already the built-in audience and reputation. So you had the lunch crowd from across the street and, you know, maybe one or two block radius that would just naturally come here and some of them you know, several times a week for lunch, and that was enough in the past to sustain. So neither the market nor merchants had to really do, you know, any advertising. But what we have learned since COVID, and and it's a very important lesson to learn, is that we each, you know, the market itself, along with each merchant individually, we have to know who our customers are so that we can reach them when they're not here. And that's a very important lesson to have learned during this time. And hopefully it's something that everyone will still remember. But, you know, since I've been here, we got a new website. We had to start over with our email newsletter list. So if you're wondering why you haven't gotten our newsletter in a while, please go to our website and sign up for it again because we've had to start over. But we, we know that, we have to still be able to contact people yeah, and let them know what's going on, give them that information about um, opening hours and who's here and, you know, what they have to offer. So yeah. I think, you know, like I said, it's been, it's been very challenging, but I think most of the merchants understand that yeah. now. 
it is interesting. And I'm going to say something and you don't have to nod or, or, or shake your head or anything like that. But it's like, give the way you just laid it out, you can kind of walk around the market right now and kind of have a gut check of who do you think is going to make it into the new like post post lunch crowd world and who might not. And I will not mention any names, but I'm trying to create some intrigue for people to come here and just walk around and start to imagine the future of the market. And just for the record, Keisha is totally straight faced. She's not agreeing or disagreeing with me. That is my, that's my statement. This is my show. Um, well, so. I, I will say, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I will say that it will be unpredictable to say who will stay and who will go. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Because where we are right now, financially, where we are with merchants understanding what they are responsible and accountable for and what we are responsible and accountable for, I think we are now getting on that same page. Yep. And those who wish to stay will fight for it. Yeah. And I think that they are all in there fighting for it yeah. right yeah. now. I'm just sorry some of those vendors sometimes go to the media without checking in with you first, and you don't have to respond to that. I'm just sorry for, you, for the city's sake that they do that. I just, just have, to, have to say that. So, but, okay, all joking aside, you, when, when was your first day? As November 16th, okay. 2020. Okay, so you've been here since November 16th, 2020, eight, eight months, about, about eight months. Knowing what you know now. Mm-hmm. If, if you had a blank canvas, you know what I mean? So if they were just built, if we had an empty city market for, mm-hmm. you know, and it was, and it was like, okay, Keisha, you've got unlimited resources to animate this place. What would it look like? I'm just curious. Like what are the first things come to mind? And you could say whatever, whatever <laughs> you want. Yeah. I don't think that it would look too much differently than what it does now. Certainly, we need some better signage. And I think if we had a little bit more support in terms of city market staff, we could do a lot more. Yeah. Um, I think that having that in place would actually be the thing to do. Yeah. So I'm thinking mm. like, I'm, I'm just, you know, it's like if the lunch crowd, if, if they're, you kind of look at this kind of post lunch crowd vision, mm-hmm. which I'm totally buying into. And, um, what, what, when you think about that mix, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Are there things that aren't there now that if you could just go, if you could go get them, you know what I mean? You would, oh, or, sure. or wave a magic wand. I'm, I'm just curious. Well, we're trying to figure out what that is. Yeah. So I know in the past that there have been like produce vendors and, meat vendors and they have not historically done well in recent times even though those were a part of the roots of the place they haven't done well in recent times and so if we were to pull that back in because we are a market and I do think that we should have some of those kinds of offerings how would we revamp it so that it is successful now yeah you know those are the questions that we are asking and hope to be able to answer very soon yeah and Knowing that we have also been this melting pot, you know, we have a lot of international merchants now and they speak more than one language, you know, tapping into that, letting everybody know that this is a place where they can feel welcomed and represented. You know, you can come here and no matter where you are from in the world, you can see yourself represented in the offerings that we have. Yes. I think it's very important. Yeah. 
So I have to ask a question that we've, we've talked about it before. Um, uh, so Bottle Works, you know, it's fantastic mm-hmm. up on Mass Ave. They've opened a food hall, the garage. Mm-hmm. 16 Tech, just northwest of downtown, is opening up the, the amp, which looks fantastic. So it's like I could see on one hand regarding the, these new food halls, which are different as competition. On the other hand, I could see it as, well, you know, um, a rising tide, you know, if you have more more people and, and kind of the food hall thing becomes more of the culture here and you've got multiple food halls, mm-hmm. okay, well, then maybe that's not not competition. Um, and, you know, uh, new, a new food hall is not going to have the historic advantages that a city market has, mm-hmm. you know, but how do you, I'm, I'm sure you get, I'm sure people people must ask you about this all the time. Mm-hmm. How, do, how, do, how do you think, how do you think about these new developments in our city and how does that impact city market? Well, firstly, I don't think that either of the other two food halls put all of this money into research and development to think that we would cannibalize one another. Yeah. So I think that we can all coexist and we each have our customer base. Yeah. And we can have some overlapping customers. We certainly have overlapping merchants because some who are here and started here, still have businesses here, have branched out into the other food halls as well. So we're very happy that they were able to do that, especially during this time. Um, But more importantly, City Market is more than a food hall. You know, it's a way of life. We have people who come here every day. And our merchants know the people who come in here yeah. and they've been missing seeing them throughout this whole pandemic. You know, it's funny you said that for in my five years of working for city government, it wouldn't be a stretch to say 40% of the important meetings that I had in that job for five years were at city market, right. not in an office. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so again, you know, we have a beautiful campus here and when the street is done, it will be a lot easier to access coming through that south door, which is kind of our anchor. And, you know, once you come in, you're in awe. You, you see all of these beautiful um, merchants, you know, selling what they do and, and tapping into their family recipes and, you know, sharing that particular love with the people that come in. So I, I, personally feel as though yes we have food but we're not a food hall yeah yeah um and um do you find with some where the reason i paused is i feel like some there's a generational opportunity you you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like like um uh bottle works and you know 16 tech wouldn't be doing what they did like you said with all this r&d if they didn't see an opportunity um is there a understanding that city market is much more than what those places are offering and, and offered the campus offers a lot more. Is there a gen, do you see a, do you see a change with younger people in terms of how they view uh, city market? Is there an opportunity there? Well, I think what I have been told and witnessed and certainly like with my husband's family, because they are from Indianapolis, that they all have the stories of being brought here as children and, I'm seeing some of that happen now. And especially, I mean, let's even talk about the merchants. We have some merchants who grew up here and now own businesses here. So, yeah, I think that for our younger crowd, we do need to figure out how to attract them in more. But there's still that 
piece of nostalgia and history that yeah. your parent who came here is now bringing you here. Yeah. I would, you know, I would say I'm a Gen Xer. My younger employees, if you gave them a choice between we've got a, we've, we've got, so now I am talking about the lunch crowd, but forgive me. So it's like, we've, I've got to, I've got to get lunch quickly. They would much rather come here than go to a restaurant. Mm-hmm. It's like not even close. Yeah. I'm Gen X, so I'm probably flip a coin most days. You know, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm here a lot, but uh, you know, but but that's that is something that I've noticed among my younger employees. You know, maybe it's the history, maybe it's knowing that they're gonna be eating a lunch that's locally grown, locally sourced. You mm-hmm. know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that is that a thing? Well, if you say it is, yes. Okay. <laughs> In my little corner of the world, yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so Maxine's chicken and waffles moved here. Yes. Um, that's actually that's my annual uh, Father's Day brunch every year. Oh, for, nice. for I haven't not for not for its thirteen years of existence. Oh yeah, well my my oldest son is eleven, so that's of course that I'm just doing the math. But probably for seven or eight, I'm always at Maxine's for Father's Day. Um, I, I actually I'm not a big runner, but when I run like a five k or a ten k, I always go to Maxine's after. I feel like I've that's earned right. it. That's right. Know? Yes, absolutely. So Maxine's is fantastic. They of course moved here a couple uh, in March. In March, mm-hmm. yeah. So so that seems like it's it's gone very well. Yes. Um, you have mentioned um, now. I'm just thinking about if people are really interested in getting more engaged with City Market. I would say, um, obviously, come here for. Um, lunch, early dinner too. Well, some Maxine's so, is open early dinner as well. Right? Yes. Yeah. So we are trying to unify our merchants yeah. in moving in that direction yeah. to cultivate a dis- different customer. And most merchants are now open until 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. And at least the first and third Saturdays of the month, because that's when our catacombs tours are. There are some merchants who will do more than that. But that's where we're starting, yeah. you know, and by the fall, we hope to extend those hours until at least 6 p.m. Oh, great. Yeah. So um, we are, like I said, trying to cultivate that different customer. We have people coming in all the time and they've just missed closing. And so we want to make that not be a thing anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are listening, this is a great place to have an event. In fact, just since I've been sitting here, I got a couple ideas that I'd like to I'd like to talk to you about. Okay, um, and that's and that's whether it's indoor, outdoor on the plaza. And again, one of the things that I love about it is you can go as formal or as open and accessible as you want. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that, that's really flexible about the space. You mentioned the catacombs tours. Where can people find out about catacombs tours? They can go to our website and they can also go to Indiana landmarks right. website because they partner with us in order to conduct the tours. Okay. And so every year annually we have tours first and third Saturdays of the month, May through October. And this year we're going to be adding um, a special Thursday evening tour in, let me think, beginning in August. And these are the Catacombs After Hours Tours. So they'll be in the evenings and either before or after the tour, you can go up to Tomlinson Tap Room and get a drink that will be specially crafted for the occasion. So you can either, you know, drink it before you go or even during. It's great. You know, or, you know, come back and your nerves are frazzled. You can just sit down yeah. and, and regroup. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Tomlinson Tap Room Hours, If you you might have mentioned this before. but Sure. Um, Wednesday and Thursday from 2 p.m. until 9 p.m. Okay. 
Friday from noon to 9 p.m. and Saturday 11 to 6. Oh, great. And we're hoping that by August, beginning of August, we will expand those hours so that we also incorporate Mondays and Tuesdays oh, until 9 p.m. as well. And I used to... I used to spend so much time there, right, Amy? Um, so, many, so many important meetings there. Right. Well, in addition to the craft beers, they also have local sodas yeah. that are made here in Indiana as well. So um, for those who do not drink alcoholic beverages, we have choices for you too. I appreciate that. Thank you. I, the, my listeners know I changed my lifestyle five years ago. Thank God. Um, but um, I do love I do love Tomlinson. Um just a couple questions, if you mm-hmm. t- if you still have a minute, and you've sure. been incredibly generous with your time. So, um, if you could if you could paint a future for City Market, you know, out the next few years, I know, you know, I don't. May, my sincere hope is by you joining during the pandemic and during this time of construction and and you know um, all the change just happening in downtown. My hope is it's much you know smoother sailing from here on out. I mean, it seems it seems like it, you can see kind of a real exciting growth trajectory for it. But as you think about, as you think about the next few years of city market and where you hope to see it go, are there things that you haven't talked about that you, that you're hoping for in the future? Sure. Well, I think first and foremost, we represent supporting small business entrepreneurs. And I think we can be more intentional about how we do that. So can we figure out some spaces that we can use as incubators in the very truest sense of the word where, you know, this is a space that we're giving you in order to prove your concept and, you know, incubate you out of the space. So you've you've outgrown us. And there are some businesses that have been here that have outgrown it, but I don't think that it was intentional that administration was helping them to do that. So that's a testament to those particular businesses that were able to do that. But I would like for us to have more of a role in that particular thing to happen, you know, and then they can work with the chamber and a few other um, entities to find their next space, you know? So that's all of us working together. And this is where it's crossover to my day job. So from our last conversation, uh, Kia Walker and Rick Proctor from our team would be the right, are the right people to talk to. And I'll get them, uh, you know, this, the idea of a, of a, uh, you know, test kitchen incubator, mm-hmm. some seed capital and things like that. Yes. Um, right. right. Uh, no, I, pr- I appreciate that. Interesting. Yeah. Because it's a, yeah, I, I could name a handful of successful restaurants who started here but that was maybe that was at a time when maybe city market if, if, um, it happened. But city market, it's not like it it had a program right. to launch these right. restaurants. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and then next, I would say that we are definitely about food access. Yeah, and so we do that through our dedicated stalls inside of the market house, and we also do that via our original farmers market, yeah. which is in its twenty fifth year now. And I think that that's important. Again, people want to see themselves reflected in places that they go, and especially a place like this. Yeah. So you can come here and, you know, sample cuisines that you've never had before or, you know, keep going to the places that are your familiar comfort foods as well. And then with the Farmer's Market, which is run by Mandy Wright Jarrett, our Operations and Facilities Manager, Every Wednesday, May through October, rain or shine, 930 to 130. And this year, it's across the street 
on Market Street in between Whole Foods and Cummins, but next year it will be directly in front of us again, and we're excited about that. But you get the local foods that are grown here and are, you know, picked closer to ripeness and all of that good stuff so that they are more nutritious for you. And we offer the Fresh Bucks and Snap, and we've partnered with Black Women in Charge to offer a different type of voucher program as well. So we're trying to make it all accessible for people to get here and to partake in some delicious things. That's great. And then finally, just because of who we are and where we are, we are also about historic building preservation. So how do we keep this building in a condition that it keeps living and evolving and being there for the people? Because You know, in America, we like to build a building and then tear it down in 20 years. Yes. You know, this is not the building that that happens to. And so what is it that we have to do in order to preserve this history and this legacy? Absolutely. Um, Last question. Okay. So, you know, as someone who has come to Indianapolis and kind of immediately become a community leader here, um, what are what are your what are your desires for Indianapolis? You know what could what could Indianapolis do better to be successful? You know what are things that you've observed? You know, and the, again, it could be could be anything. I'm not really, um, you know, as, as someone who who you know um, lived your life in Chicago previously. As you look at um, you know where because you know I've asked you a lot of questions about where city market's going, but as you think about where Indianapolis is going, what mm-hmm. um, what what is a what does a better future look like for Indianapolis, and what should we be focusing on? Sure. So I have been privileged to be a part of conversations that talk about equity and dealing with racial justice, social justice issues, and things like that. And for those who have not seen a picture of me, I am a phenotypically black woman. You know, I'm dark skinned, I have dreadlocks. And so people will make a judgment you know, when they see me not knowing who I am and I don't go around broadcasting, oh, I'm the executive director. Like, I don't do that. You know, it's just, hi, I'm Keisha. And I just leave it at that. And so how do I fit into this? How have I been treated since I've been here? What have people shown me? And I think that I have been treated with respect even when people didn't know who I was. And I think turning that lens on equity and giving people who look like me a voice yeah. or or paying attention to the voice. I think the voice is always there, but actually paying attention to it and not talking over it and not trying to correct it or, you know, do anything else that diminishes that voice. I think this is a great place for that because of its size and the people here are eager for it now is what I see because it, it has, I don't want to necessarily use the word infiltrated, but you know, it is, it is now becoming woven into yes. fabric of everything. Yes. So how do we do placemaking downtown that people see themselves represented in that as well. And so I think, this is a very good time for that to happen. And I'm excited to see where it goes. I hope that it's not just lip service. I hope that people's intentions are pure, you know, and, and that 
the people who have been here see the change that they have been looking for. Yeah. And I can just say, you know, I'm I'm becoming a Hoosier. I'm not yeah, you know, I haven't been here for quite a year yet. I think maybe yeah. on the one year anniversary. I think you get your card. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. After. I have yeah, been here yeah. for a year yeah. now. So yes, I'm a Hoosier now. I'm a Hoosier now because I moved last July. <laughs> there you go. Yes, I'm a Hoosier now. But Congratulations. yeah. So um, you know, and even prior to that I held another executive director position. And so I know that I am also speaking from a place of my own privilege. But I think in seeing everyone here and how they're working together and how they're trying to shine a light and trying to figure out, well, how do we have these difficult conversations? I think that's very important because I don't know that I necessarily heard that in Chicago. It's, it's a, thank you for sharing that. And I think, um, uh, there's, there's an added layer of validity to it with you as someone who's got a new perspective in the city as well, in addition to all the things you talked about. And this keeps coming up in the conversations I have on the show. I, this is just me. I've been here for 20 years, but I think with our Hoosier hospitality and Hoosier nice, there's a, there has been a real tendency for us to kind of gloss over these inequities and disparities in our own city and say, oh, it's really bad in Cincinnati, but you know, we're not like that here, but we are like that here in many ways. And it is really interesting. I think the last two years I've had this conversation with Amy several times. It's like, I thought I was pretty close to the edge just based on, you know, who I'm friends with and who I play music with. And I was the last two years. I'm like, I am nowhere near the edge <laughs> at all. Like, and, um, it, I, I'm, I, 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 it's my hope too that there's this real openness that is sustainable, and I do think um, for anybody listening to this who just heard what Keisha said, a lot. I know a lot of people's reaction, especially people older than us, are kind of like, "Whoa, what? What is this? And what is this new world?" And and what you pointed to is a there's there is a hopefulness, and I hope is true is with Indianapolis being a younger city with so many people in positions of leadership being fairly new and not from here, at least as compared to places like Chicago and like these older cities, I think that points to a, a possibility. It's not guaranteed that we could really, we could really, you know, continue to change it. It's definitely, um, these issues of system change, and I'm not going to use the right term, so I apologize. The issues of system change and how do we address the inequities have definitely come much more into the political dialogue and things like that. And even in, you know, in the suburbs mm-hmm. uh, are going through some things and some scary, some scary things as well there too. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but no, I, I just I appreciate you sharing that perspective because I think you know a, um, a person with your life experiences and being a new leader in the city, people are really like. You know, they get tired of hearing from those of us who've been around for a long time. Um, so people can make financial contributions to City Market because you are a nonprofit corporation. Absolutely. Is that right? So, um, you know, I'll put, if it's okay, I'll put your uh, information yes. and City Market's information in the show notes, obviously. Um, here's an opportunity for people if, um, if they would want to become, you know, financial contributors or more engaged with the City Market. What what uh, what what does that what does that offer them? You know, what I mean, because people, I mean, they can you can you can really have a relationship with this place and be more than just a you know a donor. Is that right? Right. So right now, most contributions will go towards operations or the historic preservation, and that allows us to be more present for our merchants, and it does not put all of the pressure on them to have to financially support the campus. So 
we're exploring other ways that a donation will get you more of an insider track, if you will. And I'm hoping that through strategic planning, you know, a lot of those ideas will come out and come to fruition. And also in the meantime, if you don't necessarily want to do that type of donation, um, for companies that are returning to the workforce downtown, they can buy gift certificates to treat their staff to lunch. So we can definitely process that for you and make that a thing, you know. And I do think that the businesses in this area specifically have a responsibility to support us. So you can support us by buying these gift certificates that people will use directly with the merchants. So it goes to them, and that helps to keep them here and keep this as the treasure that it is for everyone who visits. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll say if you're listening, and I know there are times when you want to order in lunch because you haven't, you know, bring your meeting here, I mm-hmm. would say. Have your meeting outside. You know, it'll be, I, I pr- you know, I promise you, it'll be much more interesting for your employees, you know. Yeah, and I, even if you have to stay in, quite a few of the merchants here have delivery services and yeah. do catering. So if you go to our website, you can see all of that information. We have yeah. a catering tab. We have the Saturdays tab, so you can see who's open on Saturdays. And when you click on an individual merchant, it shows what delivery platforms they're on. Yep. So I highly encourage people to take advantage of those resources. Bring, bring your meeting here, locally sourced food, then take a walk. If it's a nice day, take a walk. And you can do all this in, in an additional 10 minutes. Take a walk through, um, obviously, the, the uh, campus here, but... Cummins engine, uh, Cummins is Plaza south of the building, the Luger Plaza, which looks beautiful, you know, um, cultural trail, cultural trail. Absolutely. It's just, it's so easy. Um, Keisha, thank you for making the time today. It's an honor. I I do hope listeners will reach out because, uh, you know, Keisha is a very interesting person and, um, you're joining this organization at a very critical time. So uh, we're, we're very fortunate to have you in the position, but I also know it's not an easy role and it's kind of baptism by fire, <laughs> but I, I, re- I, I hope you're here for a long time and I hope you're here long enough. You know, that in two or three years, you're looking back saying that, w- you know, that was all worth it. That's yes. my, that's my hope yes. for you. Um, and, I think and, we're moving in that direction. Okay, great. Yes. Well, th- well, thank you for taking this on. It's a real honor to have you in Indianapolis and thanks for spending time today. Well, thank you so much. Thank you.